And once again, welcome to another episode of Swing Thoughts, a, a chance to get together uh, with our uh, friends every week now during the summer and uh, geek out over golf, some technical, some mental, some mirthful, some silly, and as always, what a uh, pleasure to talk to uh, someone that's become a, a confidant, a colleague, a friend, the uh, mental performance uh, coach for the Glen Abbey Golf Academy, and a uh, fine fellow in his own right, Tim O'Connor. Hello, sir. How are you? Good morning. I'm I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I'm getting over my affliction last week of yeah. uh, either either bronchitis or pneumonia, but I think I'm all better now, or getting better, anyways. Yeah, I, I want to well, well welcome everyone, and uh, I hadn't actually uh, I texted that I had hoped you feel feel better, but. Uh, I forgot to ask you this morning when we were doing our little pre-show chit-chat. How are you, man? Better. Um, you know, it was weird. Uh, I have, in my 61 years, never had any kind of respiratory ailment like this before. Um, it was just really strange. But anyways, you know, it's just kind of like day by day getting a little bit more strength back, if you will, and and just feeling better, but sometimes I feel like my I'm still talking in a tunnel type of thing. But um, eh, coming along, everyone gets sick, so uh, you count my blessings that it wasn't anything deleterious, shall we say? Well, you are something else. You know, I can just watch your uh, watching your body language. You're like, oh, don't worry about me. I'm, I'm fine. fine. I don't want. <laughs> I don't want to be a burden. I don't want to be a burden to my friends. Well, uh, my name's Humble Howard. As uh, I guess if you've downloaded the show, you know that uh, I host a program called The Humble and Fred Show. <coughs> Excuse me. And I am... Uh, Speaking of mirthful. <laughs> occasionally. Uh, I don't know what I am when it comes to golf. You know, I, I jokingly refer to myself as golf spiritual leader, but I've, no one's in more need of spiritual golf salvation than I am from time to time. But I guess maybe that's, you know, how I can relate to most people. We're brought to you by TaylorMade, the number one driver in golf. Do yourself a favor. Stop messing around with anything else. Go get the Twist Face technology. Uh, Tim and I both uh, use the, uh, I think we have 790 irons, and uh, I'll tell you, Every once in a while, they do go off like a rocket. It's crazy. Good problem to have. Yes. Uh, and uh, how are you enjoying your new? Because you've had them for a couple of weeks. I played with you a few weeks ago. You. Uh... Yeah, I love them. Absolutely love them. Um, I, I can't get over how good they look. Yeah. You know, they really. I mean, they harken back to uh, goosenecks and just any kind of sweet looking forged iron they just they just have that lovely look but they also the ball just explodes off that club face um i love love that so there's also you know catch one on the toe a little bit still whoa that still traveled yeah so it's really nice that way um and uh i'm just getting now starting to get a, a little bit better feel for working them and stuff like that so uh brand new toy absolutely love them and uh, I'll say a couple of the items that I don't talk about much in my in my golf uh, arsenal is I have this hybrid. You know, I don't use it a lot, but lately I've had a couple of occasions to use it. And I guess it's the, uh, I wish I could tell you if it's an M3 or an M4, but 
It, it reacts like, <clears throat> pardon me, it reacts differently than a lot of hybrids. A lot of hybrids, the way they're made is they're made for higher handicap players, and the, the toe kind of kicks in, and right. a lot of better players find them uh, a little, whatever that is, where they the t- it, oh, it overdraws for a lot of uh, these clubs. But the tailor-mades right. don't. They react like an iron. And uh, the other thing I have is the high-toe wedge. Uh, I saw somebody on tour uh, recently. Might have been Rory. Might have been um, Jason, uh, Justin Rose using a high toe uh, lob wedge that I have from TaylorMade. Very, very nice. Mm. So, for our listeners, through the magic of no visual, uh, what does high toe mean? Is that something visual? Like, how yeah. do you see that visually? Well, it's it, what they've done is they've taken a lob wedge and they've just increased the surface area of the toe about another twenty percent. So it gives you. It looks. Uh, different, but it, it just gives you more surface area and spin would be my guess. Mm. Uh, the other thing, of course, we're brought to you by Adidas. You're looking good uh, as usual, O'Connor, in a nice Adidas uh, polo. Yeah, I see Thank it. You. you got your logo. Represent. You got uh, my left. Got my left chest logo going. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, that picture of us. Uh, it's up on uh, where is that on your website? O'ConnorGolf.ca. Uh, it ain't up nowhere yet, but it will. It, I think it, you know, it's funny for two guys that are nearly 120 years old together. It was a good picture of us, but we're so, yeah, except, <laughs> yeah, but my eyes look like the slow. No, they don't. Sheet, but well, we're, whatever. When the picture's up, we'll tell everyone where you, maybe we can even put it up on our Facebook page. But, oh, oh, it's up on Facebook. It oh, is up Okay, there. good. Because it's yeah. just this picture of Tim and I in full tailor-made <laughs> Adidas, like we're honestly, we are living vicariously through ourselves in a weird way because we're so we're such we're so happy to have free golf stuff. It's it's ridiculous. I mean, I know it's a sponsorship, but it really is. I know I'm tickled every time I put all that stuff on. I go, I'm like a tour player. I'm a tour player with an eight handicap. <laughs> anyway, well, that's uh, that's our sponsorship, and uh, we're happy to have everyone uh, with us. Uh, I've had a couple of people uh, ask me about the Swing Thoughts Ryder Cup. Remember oh, yeah. we had this conversation that would be uh, yeah, Team yeah. O'Connor, Team uh, Golf Spiritual Leader. And uh, you, know, you know where I think we should have it? Because I haven't had a chance to play your course yet this year. But maybe in the, sp- in the fall, I should say, we set up a yeah. day, just a couple of foursomes at uh, Blue Springs. Because that's, t- that's a great golf course. Uh, and I think it would be a great golf course for uh, the Ryder Cup. It's got a lot of difficult holes. We can have alternate shot and all sorts of fun. Oh, yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. I always like the idea of alternate shot with, uh, with say, a married couple that's not quite going so great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks for leaving me a downhill, sidehill putt, hon. Oh, well, yeah? You left me. <laughs> but I, I want to uh, submit something to you. And 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 true, make it a true swing thoughts competition. And what I mean by that is, let's say we're going to play eight an eighteen hole match, and we break it down like six holes would be to say alternate shot, six holes match play, six holes whatever. But why don't we make it in the spirit of our show? You know, um, six holes alternate shot, but you have to play three of them in the opposite with the opposite. Like if you're right-handed, you have to play three holes left-handed. Or let's say six holes, you can only play with three clubs. I like that one. The, the oh, okay. So maybe the, maybe the right. opposite hand's too radical. 
Yeah, I'm not into I'm not into way radical, pal. Oh, really? You know, come on. Is that too, would that, that, I'm a moderate. Would I'm that be moderate. too much fun for everybody? Um, it'd okay, be, it'd be deleterious to their soul. So let's do uh, let's make at least six of those holes or three clubs, and you can yeah, pick any three sure. clubs. Um, but I think There'd we be should learning moments and fun exactly. And all that. Uh, so let's start with, uh, you know, Tim and I also spend a good portion of the pre-show before we hit record trying to remember when what we talked about uh, the last time we talked. And uh, I was up at the cottage last week. Tim was uh, working on, uh, you know, what Tim does, working with players. I was, I was, I was on my couch. Oh, that's recovery. right. You were sick. Yes. And uh, we texted back and forth a little bit during the Open Championship, won by... Uh, Francesco Molinari. You just like saying that, don't you? Um, so let's. Uh, why don't you start? I, I know. Uh, I know where I'm going. I've got a. I'm, well, uh, just save some of that Tiger Woods meat for my. Uh, I. I, I kind of want to talk about that. That. That Tiger Woods moment, I think, is the. Uh, is the swing thoughts mo- moment for me. What about you overall and the Open Championship? Well, obviously, it was a great, great championship to watch. Uh, so much. I, just that event is so unique. Uh, the different types of shots. I love how a guy can hit a shot sixty feet from the pin, and the announcer goes, "Great shot!" <laughs> you know, because if you hit it in the high hay, you're like freaking done. Um, but it was a, a great, great field. Uh, all of that good stuff. And I believe actually the right guy won. Uh, Molinari's been playing the best golf of anybody. Uh, so to use that expression, uh, he flew under the radar. Because he's kind of a quiet guy, a little bit, but you know he won the BMW Championship earlier this year. Uh, he won the Quickens. Uh, he was second at John Deere. He was just unflappable. You know, he just went about his business. I think he got up and down twelve out of twelve times. So he was full marks, and he just plotted his way around the golf course and didn't make mistakes. And um, when he did, he hit the he hit the smart shots. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was he was the he was the right guy to win that. And I know that uh, not the most exciting character in golf, but um, full marks. Yeah, it goes to uh, sort of goes to show you that you know slow and steady wins the race. I mean, he's obviously been playing some great golf in the last four to six weeks. It's interesting to see somebody who is amazing at what they do in a really good spot because he just looked confident over every swing. That word you used, you know, is sort of unflappable. And I'd say to you, it's easier to be unflappable-er when you're in full flight. You could see that with him. Yeah, and it, it also what it speaks to, and, and I think this is part of what we could get into with, with Tiger, is that Molinari has been in high-stakes, high-pressure golf all this year. The more that you're in those situations, the more you are aware of, of what's going on with you and particularly what's happening in your body. And I think that's just something a lot of people just don't quite have their heads around that when you're playing, say, you know, like it's like the difference between playing with your Saturday morning foursome and, you know, for a $5 NASA, and then you're playing in the club C in the club C you're just, you're going to hang on to the club a little harder. You maybe you're going to take extra looks. You're going to be a little bit more careful, but your body is in a different place. And what really you need to be there 
so that you can adapt and be aware, oh yeah, I'm jacked up right now or I've got some tension running through my shoulders. When you're aware of what's going on in your body, then you can respond. You know, It's kind of like I think there's a fav- famous uh, in, uh, US Open, I think back Jerry Pate uh, back in the I think uh, 80s or something. And uh, he had one shot lead, US Open, his normal yardage would have been a four iron uh, back in the day. Then I think he hit actually a five or even a six mm-hmm. because he knew he was so jacked up and he hit it, you know, he hit it beyond the normal distance. Well, what you said about people getting used to uh, being in the heat, you know, whatever, the, you know, the one thing about tournament players, whether it's amateurs or professionals, is they play a lot of tournaments. And when I refer to myself and my cohorts as tournament players, there's a, there's a group of people I play with. You know, Paul Gortner, Tim Southcott, who I want to talk about a little bit as oh, well yeah. on the show. Absolutely. Uh, in fact, I've got two things. I got a Tiger teachable moment, and I want to talk about my, you know, one of my, my closest golf friend and rival and uh, how he managed himself and how he manages himself as a golfer and a great lesson for for everyone because I think a lot of people think you need to hit the ball you know, amazing all the time. And, you know, you need to hit the ball way up in the air. But my friend Tim, who just finished second at the Ontario Senior Amateur this week, would would have you believe otherwise. Uh, and I'll, I'll talk about that later. Anyway, Molinari, so the point I'm trying to make to, to echo your sentiments is when you play tournaments regularly, what happens to you is your you just get used to it, and so your body feels more normal the more right. you play that stuff. And Absolutely. that's that's a great thing you said, too, about, you know, for a lot of us, the club championships are coming up, you know, August long weekend, I think, in a lot of club link courses and a lot of courses around, you know, the country. That's kind of when it usually is or in that area. And we've talked about this before, watching guys the week before the club championship, all of a sudden you see guys chipping and putting and doing practice you've never seen them do before. I've never seen you here. <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> That's right. Um, Don't you have, like, families to take care of or stuff? Yeah, and, 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 and so everything seems different, isn't it? And you say your body will feel different. Um, and I don't know what to tell people. You know, if your club championship is the August long weekend and you've not played a tournament this year, then you're going to need to be aware, as Tim said, that your your body will feel different, your hands will feel different, and not to be surprised when that happens. Yeah, so the thing what I would offer people who are going, say, into Club C is make your practice into what they call sort of transition practice. Transfer training. Transfer, that's it, Exactly. And, like, just don't go hit balls and, you know, raking up, you know, 27 irons because that ain't golf. Is start to plot out, say, a course, even on the range. You know, you're going to hit a drive between a couple of trees. That's your fairway. Eight iron, you're going to hit to a pin or a spot. Um, par 18. Yeah. Do that that game uh, around, the, around the green. And you can look that up on the internet if you don't know what that is. Um, but put yourself in a place where – you're hitting balls or shots that have a consequence. There's some purpose to it, yes. So you can put yourself under stress, you know, and putting drills, you know, where you've got to make certain number of putts and that type of thing. That's the, the uh, great takeaway. When just you got to put yourself in situations rather than just go hit some chips, put down five balls and say to yourself, okay, 
I need to get three of these up and down or I can't move on to the next, you know, whatever that next thing is. Whether You know, sometimes with me, I do that putting drill I've described where I have to hit the three, four, five, six, seven footer. And sometimes, and if you miss, you have to go back to the beginning. And sometimes, you know, you go through it right away. And other times, I've been there 45 minutes and I finally get it and I fist pump because I'm... I, I've put my, I put myself in a situation where I'm like, there, there is a consequence to this. It's self-imposed, but there is a consequence. Yeah, but so, so what you're, what you're feeling is that that tension, the expectations, the hopes, and how do you respond to that? So the problem that a lot of golfers have is they get to the golf course, they kind of warm up and talk to buddies and stuff, and then all of a sudden, whoa! On that first green, they got a ten footer, mm-hmm. maybe for par or something like that. And they're in a totally different environment. So what you can do in your warm-up is leave some time so that when you go to the practice screen before you tee off is hit three putts or three holes as if these are at least kind of like you. You go through your routine, yep. you miss, you mark, so that you start getting yourself in that zone of being in that place where your body's a little bit more jacked up or whatever. And you're getting yourself in a playing mode. You know, sometimes, and it looks dumb when I do it, I know, but I, I will, you know, I'll, when I'm doing my, my putting drills, and when I get to the part about, you know, I do 30s and 3s, where I, I, I hit 30-footers and I hit 3-footers. Yeah. But I, I, if I hit a 30-footer to a foot and a half, I'll mark it and putt it out on the putting green because I know, and I have done this in tournaments, and I'm a fairly, you know, we'll say seasoned tournament player. I have been in tournaments and missed a one-foot putt because I didn't mark it because I got up there and I said, oh, I'll finish, and I went to putt it in, and that stroke counts as much as the drive off the tee, unfortunately. Absolutely. I missed about a 10-inch putt. We've in my all net done it. On a Saturday morning in our league a couple of weeks ago, and I just didn't take my time. I got up and just kind of waved at it. No, you, you have, I have to be... Fully present to what I'm doing. Absolutely. Take my time, get it lined up, go through it. and. So I'll tell and- you, if you're going to play your club championship or any tournament, I, I, honestly, it's going to look dumb. But I, I will putt out a 10-inch, a 12-inch, a foot-and-a-half putt. I'll putt it out because I know, and I'll tell you, it's the weirdest thing. In tournament play, you have that putt, you say I'll finish, and because it's so short... It's almost like it gets your attention but doesn't get your attention. Part of you is thinking, well, I would never miss this. And missing it hurts just as much as hitting it into a hazard. So oh, it hurts even more because you feel like an idiot. Well, you feel you know, like you an just, idiot. And you just threw away a shot that was just like you, you had no business doing that. Yeah. And we'll come back maybe to the idea of being... You know, Doolin's phrase for this, our friend Paul Doolin, who works with Kyle Stanley and DA Points and a real and fine. Eduardo and Eduardo Molinar, that's right. Yeah. He, he always says, be a score farmer. And, uh, and, and what he talks about is being stingy with, yeah. you know, the, the but, but farming score is making sure when you have a foot putt that you get that you don't take it for granted because it counts. Yeah. So here's my teachable moment for Swing Thought nerds from from Tiger Woods. And I'll be honest with you, uh, it was pretty exciting for me. You know, been on Team Tiger for a long time. And when he was leading the Open Championship with eight holes to go, 
Oh, yeah. I honestly was there on the couch by myself texting you, my brothers, all my friends. Because, you know, it was very sweet. I told my my new lady friend, I said, you know, it was very sweet because all my brothers are like, you know, hoping for you and Tiger. You know, I'm like a uh, (laughs) – and and I was very nice. They all know how much I love Tiger. And I will tell you, at a certain point there on Sunday, I was wondering how I was going to handle it if Tiger Woods (laughs) won the Open. I just did it honestly. I thought, what am what's what am I gonna do? What will what will become of me on this day? How do I high five myself? How do I high five myself? Will I cry? Yeah, obviously, a lot of stuff for me. And then he did something there on the eleventh hole that was so fundamentally wrong that it it just goes to show you. It doesn't matter who you are that. The fundamentals of the game are the same. So you know the, the shot I'm talking about. He's got a he he hits he gets out of position. He short sides himself with a bunker in between himself and the hole, and he tries some you know uh, funny little flop shot thing. Doesn't the get it on shot. Doesn't get it on the green. So we call that two chipping because you chipped once and he had to chip again. In the, in the second chip, he actually putted it, but it was a two chip. He didn't get it on the green on his first shot. Right. And we have said this for 60 plus shows now, and it includes Tiger Woods. Get the ball on the green, job one, whether it's 10 feet or 30 10 feet. <laughs> whether it's, it doesn't matter how far away it is, it gives you a chance to save par we call it a bogey with an option for par. But yeah. when he, when he nice. when he muffed that chip, didn't pull it off, whatever you want to call it. Now it's a you know, he brought double bogey which he made into play cuz that was an impossible putt that he had. He hit that one 10 feet, 12 feet by. So what happens to all of us, including Tiger Woods, is you make double there and then he makes bogey on the next hole and I swear to you I feel this is true. That double bogey forced the bogey because now he feels part of it is, damn, I've got to get that back. Yeah, exactly. But making bogey there keeps you in the game. It keeps your momentum going because you're out of position. You only make a bogey, and then I guarantee he makes par on the next hole, and now it's a different ball game with Francesco Molinari. But to me, that was such a weird, and I heard this about Tiger. Uh, somebody said it, maybe it was Chambly. The week before, they called Tiger Woods one of the most conservative golfers in history in terms of where he places his ball on the green. He's a great lag putter, and what he does is he doesn't three-putt very much, makes birdies when he can, but usually just conservatives it around the golf course. And in that case, he didn't, and I think that was... That was it, basically. After that, he finished tied for six, and that's fine, but not when you're in the lead with seven or eight holes to go. Yeah, a whole bunch of things there. Um, yeah, that was the that was the tournament right right there, and I think part of it was that sure he's Tiger, he's won fourteen majors, but it's, he's ten years removed from the heat of that moment. And yes, he is Tiger freaking Woods, but he is still a human being. And I think that perhaps his thinking was not as clear as it could have been Agreed. in the pressure, pressure of the moment. He's got the lead of the Open Championship. Who knows what story was spinning his head. 
you know, I know that he is the, he's been the king of awareness of, of being very mentally tough, disciplined in his thinking, but something happened there in terms of it wasn't the best decision mm-hmm. and who knows where his emotions are going. It's kind of like 16th hole at uh, Bay Hill this year when he was in, he was in contention there and he yanks it out of bounds and he said he wasn't committed. You know, he had three different shots and he got, and didn't commit. I thought that was an amazing admission yeah. for Tiger to say he wasn't committed. So I haven't heard like a debrief. Uh, I, I didn't read the, the post interview transcripts. Uh, so I didn't, I haven't read a debrief how he explained that shot, but I think that's part of it there. And I think it's part of it also that, uh, even the shot before that, the, uh, the shot out of the hay, uh, that went left. Uh, so kind of what I wrote a blog about it. And I said that tigers at 42 and the back surgeries and all that stuff, he's kind of like a superhero who's lost his powers. He's kind of just like a regular player now. Like before he could kind of will it, you know, to happen, maybe he was calling upon memories of like hitting, you know, you look on YouTube, top 10 tiger shots through the years, all these amazing shots. No, no. And and if I may just interject, you know, it's funny. uh, Um, I, I would agree that he maybe have maybe bit off more than he needed to on that second shot. But let's go back to the hole before. He's in that bunker, and all oh, of a sudden, he Tiger Woodses it out of exactly. the bunker. And I think in a weird way that, you know, it was like, wow, I'm Tiger Woods in full flight. Yeah. But what he needed to do when he got in trouble off the tee on 11 was, how do I make bogey at worst from this spot? Exactly. And, and that's the takeaway, if you will, the teachable moment for our nerds is that decisions in golf very much affect your ability to swing the club mm-hmm. so much more than most people would believe or even accept. And what I mean by this, and we've used this example, why is it that when we lay up on a par five, it's very often the best swing we make because it's a swing in the middle of a round, <clears throat> excuse me, where the stakes have lowered and the consequences aren't as dire because you're not hitting it to a green or onto a fairway, you're just hitting it down there somewhere. Exactly. So when he decided to go for the green on the second shot from the hay, that decision affected the, rather than just get it to the front of the green with a higher lofted club and then pitch on and maybe make par, he tried to do more than he needed. It went awry. And then the decision to, when he was taking those practice swings, I was going, no, you don't need to make par here. You just need not to make double. Right. And I'll tell you, if you are a, a recreational player, um, and I said this to some you know, young guy I was playing with this week, who's a very good player. I said, it's not the birdies you make. It's the doubles you don't make. Correct. Absolutely. You're bang on. That, that, it's that's the doubles there, you don't make. Yeah. And, and Tiger was legendary for hitting it 20 feet, 30 feet, Decade golf styles. In fact, that's who said that. That Fawcett guy said Tiger Woods, statistically, one of the most conservative players in terms of where on the greens he would pick his spots. And then he didn't three putt and occasionally sank some putts. So that 
That was a thing when I watched it. I was like, well, that's, I thought, that is the perfect swing thoughts example where, so now instead of hitting a flop shot, you go and you, if your intention is just to hit it on the green, that becomes a, a much easier, much easier shot. And so when we have much easier shots, you know, a seven iron layup on a par five versus a three wood roast it between some trees, our, our, when our stress levels go down on the golf course, our confidence go up. So he had some he had some stress over that flop shot because it was tough. Oh yeah, absolutely. That was what it it called for absolute precision, perfection. Yeah. What was really interesting is, and I don't think I connected the dots as much, but that bunker shot he hit on ten, like the club head speed and the way he recoiled because it was so fast. That was like wow! Like I clapped. Yeah. Like I, that was like that was like wow! That's Tiger, fifteen twenty years ago. Yeah. When he would like, he'd have a shot at an ankle high rough, and he'd stop on a forearm and make it stop, or he'd have kind of like I call it kind of like his Gumby like follow through. Yeah. You know when he wanted to work the ball like at a, a ridiculous hook or something. And he'd contort his body and his his strength, his flexibility, and just the way he would will it. And so when he hit that shot out of that bunker like that with the speed, it was like, wow, holy crap. That's Tiger Woods. But I wonder a little bit if the adrenaline – there must have been incredible adrenaline from that and and, and how he played that hole. I'm in the lead in the open. Yeah. All of that. Did that did did that influence the decision uh, around making that flop and, and hitting that perfect shot? Because look what I just did. I'm back. So maybe there's a bit of uh, maybe he fooled himself a little bit around you know that maybe I'm back to being 24 instead of 42 with. A fused back. No, I, I think there. Are, I definitely think that as, and we we often talk about this, where golfers will drag previous holes with them in a negative way. Will drag the. Oh, I'm still thinking about a triple I took on the third hole, and I'm playing 15. But in, in and I thought about what you said that because he pulled that shot off, and now I'm leading the open, and I'm back, and I'm Tiger Woods. And then when he didn't hit a very good drive on 11, it was like it doesn't matter. I'm Tiger Woods. Where And I think even he, and we both have said it, he's a human being, and we're, whether you're 42 or 24, it all comes down to decisions. And and in golf, your golf today that you play and the golf and the club championship that you're going to play, you always look back and think, what, and I do this with myself, what prompted me? What was I thinking when I made that decision? Because the decision affects the your. You always talk about it. How your body responds. If I make a decision to hit a three iron off the tee to lay up short of some bunkers, versus hit my driver and try and carry those bunkers, all of a sudden my senses have heightened because I've got to really crack that driver to carry that bunker. But if I only have to hit three iron two fifteen or two twenty, I'm pretty loose. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So interesting. I'll go a little step further. It certainly is about the decisions you make. But what I think really, really helps us in all parts of our lives is our level of awareness where we're at. You know, am I am I jacked up? Am I frustrated? Where what's going on, particularly in my body? 
And then when I'm aware of that, I go, oh, I'm kind of hot right now, mm-hmm. you know, or I'm feeling some fear. So then when you when you're aware of what's going on and just settle in, then you can make a decision based on on that and, and on that awareness. But a lot of people, unfortunately, just they're kind of numbed out. We're, you know, particularly guys we are not supposed to be into our feelings. Um, but unless we know what's going on. Um, it, those things are could be in our blind spots and just come up and bite us in the derriere. So he, um, I, you know, uh, it was too bad because I know that it, when oh, it was he, way too bad when he was on the way home. I guarantee you, he's thought, you know, a tiger. I, I could have just hit it on the green twenty five feet and yep. made bogey, and then then he birdies fourteen. Birdie's 18, and now those two shots are theoretically tie him with Molinari. Now, as good as Francesco was playing, I promise you, with four or five holes to go tied with Tiger Woods, his body feels differently. But he had a two-shot lead on Tiger all the way for the rest of the round, and and it was very admirable, and he played very steady, and he was, as we said at the beginning of the show, uh, an elite athlete in full flight. Golf's easy for him right now, but we all know that there are phases to everybody's game. So right. that was uh, Tiger Woods. <clears throat> so uh, I've mentioned my friend Tim Southcott. He's a guy I play with at Glen Karen. I've played uh, literally, I would say, a, a dozen tournaments uh, either as his partner or playing with him, going away together. We stay together. And uh, I say all this because I want people to understand what I'm about to say. It's a selfish thing, but I'm going to say it anyway. I was so thrilled for Tim. I talked to him last night. So thrilled. He finished second in a senior amateur tournament at the provincial level. It's amazing. But a couple years ago, he and I were playing together in a better ball tournament against all the same guys that he beat this week. And we were sitting there getting ready to play, and he looked around, and he goes, oh, there's that guy, and there's this guy, and you know some of the best players in the province. A lot of guys that I played as an amateur against are now we're all seniors. And I said, Timmy, I said, Let's, I said forget these guys, except I didn't use the word forget. I said, F these guys, Tim. <laughs> we're just as good as they are. I've been playing against them for years, and just because they've maybe done better than us at times doesn't mean they're way better than us. Let's not be intimidated by them. And so last night I said to him, I said, Tim, I said, remember, for the last couple of years I've been telling you, I said, I want you to look at the list of all the guys you beat this week. You know, I'll, I'll name some of them. Lars Melander, Larry Cooper, Chris Kurtzos, Dan Partland, Mike Amelia, Ashley Chinner, some of the best golfers in Ontario. I said, Tim, look at that list. I said, you, you beat all of those guys. And I said, I told you that you could. Now, the selfish part is when I saw him, Win that or finish second, I thought, well, yeah, I was disappointed I didn't get to play in the tournament. That's a whole other story. But I thought to myself, in a weird way, it confirms, it made me feel like, oh, good, I can beat them too because I beat Tim half the time we play. So it's like Justin Thomas watching Jordan Spieth win a major for the first time. I was, my thought was, congratulations, now I know I can do it. What do you oh, think of yeah. that? Oh, yeah. Well, full marks to Tim. Uh, it was I was at Glencairn yesterday where, where you guys play, and uh, I was talking to a guy there, and he showed me all the emails between all the guys. Oh, yeah. We, so just much- got, we all went nuts. 
Yeah, well, that's that's wonderful. You know, that's 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 just so great. But so much of know? golf is so much of our golf psychology is. You know, I'm not good enough, and that guy's better, and oh, I have no chance. And I've been telling him, you know, Tim uh, and I have, now we're friends, uh, obviously we're friends, but, you know, I got him on to Dooland. You know, it's, 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 it's been an evolution, for, but Tim especially, who's an excellent golfer, suffers from what we all do, which is a little self-doubt. And I... Um, you know, maybe I have less self-doubt than I should, but I feel, you know, that, you know, if we're in the same tournament, well, if you're going there, you should go there to win. So I saw Tim after the first round on uh, Tuesday, and he said to me, because he played, he shot the first round, he shot even par. And he said to me, he said, Howard, if I can't get it at this course, there's then I'll never get it. And what he meant was it was a, a perfect course for him, 6,300 yards, not a lot of carry, and and very strategic golf. And Tim, the the takeaway for golf nerds from Tim's game is, if you saw Tim hit a golf ball, you'd think, oh well, you know he's a good player. But you know it's not like watching Gortner or you know Plus somebody handicaps. Yeah, you know, um, not like watching. You know, he doesn't hit the ball way high in the air. He doesn't hit seven irons one eighty. Tim is short off the tee. Uh, hits a lot of rescues into par fours and has the best short game of anybody I play with. Mm. So what Tim does is Tim is the best, and I've mentioned him on the show before. He is the best at playing his own game of anyone I play with. He never takes an unnecessary risk and he doesn't put himself in trouble off the tee. Part of the reason he doesn't is because he doesn't drive it very high in the air. His ball spends a lot of time on the ground. So he kind of hits this, he's left-handed, and he hits a left-handed draw all the time. And when the call, when the shot calls for something else, he doesn't hit it. He just plays his game. And if the par four is too long, he says, it's okay, I'll make it into a par five. And he says it on the tee. And I, and I, I played a practice round at this golf course, and I was, uh, I think I mentioned to everyone, I was an alternate to get into this tournament. If the irony is, Tim and I both shot the same score to qualify, but I got retroed out. And I spent eight and a half hours on Tuesday waiting to get a tee time at this tournament and subsequently did not. Oh, good for you to go, though. Oh, good yeah. Good for you, man. I did. I went there. I played a practice round. And the, the, the disappointing thing for me, obviously, I wanted to play in the tournament. I said at the end of last year's senior tournament where I finished 35th and I played horribly, I said, you know, I think I'm ready to compete with these guys. And I'm... I found out through Tim that I am ready to compete with these guys. But I played the practice round, and I was, like, licking my chops because I don't need to hit driver on a lot of holes. I could hit three iron off tees, and it was short. And we, we, Tim and I sat after the practice round. We were talking about some of the holes. I said, you know, I'm just going to play conservative golf and, and hit a lot of greens because, you, know, you know, it's not a very difficult golf course. And uh, when I saw the scores he was shooting, I could, I'm telling you, he's, it's the perfect course for him. And uh, I would say, you know, when he has a 450-yard par four when he's playing with the mid-ams and such, he just looks at it like, okay, I'm going to hit my best drive. I'm going to hit it up somewhere near the green. I'm going to make a bogey with an option for four. And he makes a lot of pars on those holes because his short game is very, very good. 
So that's the takeaway from Tim, is that play your game. Don't try and do what the other guys are doing. And if you can't carry a ball 220 yards in the air, don't try for the first time on the golf course. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. So there's no need for me to reiterate any of that. That was a lot of great uh, senior golf wisdom from yeah. Golf Spiritual Leader right there. The What was interesting to me, what I will – what I do think is really interesting is that when you're talking about, you know, you're saying, oh, this guy, this guy, this guy. And what we're talking about here is belief systems. Yes. And 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 if we and so much of our lives, our golf, whatever is is dictated by our belief system and how and the messages we have about ourselves, the stories we're invested in. And so many of them are just they're actually they're they're not true for one thing. You know, I'm this, I'm that. Well, it's just a freaking hallucination. Mm. Um, you may have some traits, but if you if that's the script that you live your life by, they're self fulfilling prophecies. That's why, when, whenever someone I you hear someone hit a uh, you know flub one of the bunker, I'm such a crappy bunker player. Or you're making that's that's permanent and non changeable, and as if that's a fact. So what do you think is going to happen the next time you're in a testy bunker shot? I'm a crappy bunker player. Self-fulfilling prophecy. I mean, it's not all that kind no, of drive, No, I, I but... couldn't agree more. I, I mean, and and do you hit a bad bunker shot because you have given yourself the T-shirt label, bad bunker player, or does that allow you an excuse for hitting a bad bunker shot? Oh, it's not me. It's the fact that I'm just not very good in bunkers. Right, right. And I'm not very good against this level of competition or something. If we can just, again, to me, uh, I harp on this constantly, but it's like, what is your awareness of what's going on, whether it's a feeling in your body or a belief system or a story? And if you just hear yourself saying, oh, gosh, that guy, oh, he can hit it. I'm not sure. And you just catch yourself and go like, you know, is it, at first, is it true? No. You, and, and it has nothing to do you, comparing, judging, evaluating oneself in comparison to anybody else. As the Buddhists would say, that is just primary uh, – territory for suffering if you can just kind of detach yourself from that crap and just as you say tim southcott prime example just be your best self just be you you know just when you because you say i'm a bad bunker player or i'm a anything your thoughts are not as you say we, we aren't our thoughts they're just thoughts the but stories just we hallucinations. Well, and, and just because we say we're not a, we're not a good bunker, but it doesn't actually mean it's true, as you said. But there's a uh, a great phrase. I'm I'm not sure if I've used it on the show or not. But I was waxing, uh, you know, spiritual last night <laughs> at uh, at a restaurant. By the way, I was at a very very upscale steak restaurant in Toronto last night with a couple of work c- colleagues, and uh, Matt Kuchar uh, came in with his uh, his wife. And uh, Cooch is tall, but his wife is also tall. And uh, I'm not sure who caused more of a stir, Cooch or his uh, his missus, because she's stunning. His sta- statuesque. Statuesque. And so we were leaving the restaurant, and uh, he was taking a picture with her, a selfie at this restaurant. And I <laughs> said, and we had to sort of pause. Well, the three of us were leaving. And I didn't say anything other than, good luck this week. And he said, thanks. And my friends were sort of laughing. I said, you know, I'm not going to stop and go, you're Matt Kuchar, I know it. But saying good luck this week acknowledges, I know who you are, I know why you're here, and that's all I said. And he was just very sweet. He went, thanks. Yeah. So 
What I waxed spiritual last night is awareness. This is a great phrase. Awareness in and of itself is curative. Awareness is curative. When you're aware, you have a fighting chance. Awareness is curative in golf and in life. And the more aware you are that what you say about yourself is a story, how you see yourself isn't absolutely the truth, and you're not going to be a bad bunker player for the rest of your life. So I'll tell you what uh, my experience was uh, waiting there all day. Every 10 minutes, because I can can really get into beating myself up if I want to. Not as much as I used to. Mm -hmm. But I got there hoping I was the third alternate, which, you know... This, I could tell a story. I didn't think I should be an alternate. Blah, blah, blah. I shot the same number as everyone. My number was good enough to qualify in seven of eight sites. All these things are true. <laughs> but, the, you know, there's an old golf saying, you know, shut up and play better. And, and I had to look at it like, you know, there were guys playing that day that I was better than. But I didn't get in the tournament because on the day of the tournament, my circumstances prevented that. And the only time I got, so I, I made sure I was aware that that could be something I, you know, might start buying into. Oh, there's Tim. He gets to go play. Oh, there's Tim. He's finished playing. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Plus, oh, God, yeah. I know a lot of the guys in this world. And so imagine for eight hours, 40 or 50 people saw me and went, hey, Howard, how you been? What time are you out? I asked, yeah, I, I had the question, what time are you out 40 times? Yeah, and 40 sure. times I had to say, I didn't qualify, I'm going to get retrogression, whatever. So yeah, yeah. I left the tournament at 2.20 when the last, the 2.30 group was on the tee. They were there 10 minutes early, so I left. And on the way home, I was like, ah, that's too bad. But that's, that's my lot in life. And then I had to watch my best golf friend finish second in the tournament. You know, which is great. And I'm trying to be, you know, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, you know, but- of course I'm jealous. Of course, and, and and disappointed, but I just think full marks for you to go out there as an alternate um, and give it a shot. I don't have anything more to say that that. that well, because if I your, if I didn't, your, that speaks to your passion and and you're wanting to play. And I don't know. I don't have anything more. Well, the thing is, if three you're, guys, you're a beautiful person. For doing that. <laughs> if, thank you. The way I looked at it was I did everything I could. I got a hotel room. I got up at 6. I went to the range. I got ready three times that day. You know, I warmed up before the 7.30 tea times. I warmed up in between. I got ready for the afternoon wave. And then I went home without playing. And the only thing, excuse me, the only time that I got a little bit bitter, and I hope I don't sound bitter now, is, is after day one, I went and looked at the site. And two guys had what they called JWDs, justified withdrawals, meaning they got hurt. Oh, yeah. One guy didn't show for the second round. He was a no-show, and two guys just withdrew. And I thought, you know, you pricks. There was three of us alternates there the day before. We would have all loved to play. Yeah. And you guys played one round and dropped out because you didn't like your score. Because all of those guys that dropped out had higher scores on the first day. Got it. Absolutely. Yeah, you you know that. You know, oh, suddenly, suddenly, oh, I got a bad back. What'd you shoot? 87. Yeah. Um, so that bugged anyways, me a little bit, but that's life too. You know, again, yeah, shut up exactly. and play better. You know, what's interesting is that what I love about talking about that. So you, you got up at six, you drove all the way there, you had a hotel room. 
all just because you had a whiff of a possibility of playing. Pal, some people would listen to that if they weren't golf nerds and go, that's sickness. That's sickness. But just just for a hope, it's kind of like yeah. you know, a, fisher, a fisherman who goes out and it's thunderstorming and, you know, 10, you know, you know, the white caps on the lake. He says, yeah, but the pickerel are biting. That's right. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like that scene in, um, in Caddyshack. I don't think the heavy oh, yeah. stuff's coming down. Well, you know, as I mentioned in the conversation today, last year in this tournament, I played three rounds, made the cut, didn't play very well, and because the courses are shorter at the senior level than I play every day, and I still play at the mid-am level, so... And and I do have, uh, you know, I hit the ball pretty good. Certainly for my age, I hit it, you know. What do you do for an ancient old man? I hit the ball up in the air, and, you know, a lot of the holes are short enough for me to hit three iron wedge and nine irons. And so when I left the senior M last year, I was like, man, I can't wait to play, wait to play the next year because I think, you know, I could be a top ten player. And I know I've said this. So in a weird way having my best golf buddy do well was like Spieth and Thomas. I'm like, I play with that guy every day. Yeah, we, we, absolutely. We play tournament golf together. I know what he's like. I, he's, he and I are very competitive. We talked about this last night. One of the things about having someone very close to you um, to play with all the time, like he and I are playing Saturday morning, we just never know. Like, I beat him in the club uh, senior club championship i shot 74 he shot 79 so you know i've beat him he beats me just depends on the day we uh played a match together against a couple of really good young players guys with a plus two and the other guy was a one and tim and i were like tim's like i don't know we're we're gonna have trouble beating these guys i said no we won't i said you watch tim i said you watch if we get up on these guys let's see how they play and that day, Tim and I beat them four and three, and Tim and I both shot one under par because he plays his game. I was playing nicely. It goes to our point about pressure. You don't, it doesn't matter how good you are, you get down, you're going to feel differently than if Francis, I'm telling you, if Molinari had Tiger Woods tied with him with three or four holes to go, it's a different ball game. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, sir, um, thank you for your kindness. Thank you for yes. your generosity of spirit. Any final Thank thoughts you. from the no. uh, Swing Thoughts Library? What would you tell people? Uh, once again, reiterate, if you're getting ready for a big tournament, put yourself into some tournament situations. Yeah. But just, whatever you do, uh, I would say, f- for one thing, too, focus on your short game. So much is there. You know, it, you know put everything out. Uh, so in your, all your casual rounds, you put everything into the hole. Uh, in practice, uh, really focus on, on on that. But you practice with a consequence. You know, you, you sit, do a points thing or, like I say, the par 18 game or something like that so that you're getting yourself in a place where your body's feeling the stress of tournament golf. Um, excellent. Tim O'Connor, O'ConnorGolf.ca. I, I didn't. You mentioned your blog. I thought it was excellent, by the way. And, oh, the uh, uh, letter to Tiger. Yeah, I, well, I loved it because uh, sometimes I, you know, I'm, when I'm on the air uh, during the show, I'll see stuff on email, and a lot of stuff comes in, and I think I've responded. <laughs> I thought I responded to it, but I realized no, I didn't. I just responded to it in my head. But I thought it was excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was okay. very well written. 
Uh, O'ConnorGolf.ca. Tim's a fine writer. He's written some books. You know, he writes books. Um, Humble and Fred Show. Big news happening. Uh, yeah. Go to HumbleandFredRadio.com if you want to download the podcast. This past week, we had uh, Ralph Ben Mergie hanging out with us. Very fine broadcaster and smart guy. You'd love him. Very spiritual. I've listened to him on your show. Very yeah. spiritual guy. And we had uh, Bob Reed, who uh, works for a big-time sort of uh, media company, Veritas Communications. Real smart guy. So check that stuff out. And uh, if you want to book uh, Tim... For your next uh, birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> Very good at balloon animals. Balloon animals and, in the shape of changing, famous golfers. And changing your belief system about bunkers. That's right. If you want a uh, balloon animal in the likeness of Byron Nelson, uh, you might enjoy some of the work Tim's doing. I'm working on my sneed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, of course, as always, thanks to TaylorMade. Twistface technology has made the driver different. Experience what everyone else is. And check out Adidas with the full line of amazing uh, soft goods. And uh, you look great. And uh, I... Uh, you look great. We all look oh. great. <laughs> and I'm going to look great at the Canadian Open today. I'm going to... Are you going out go there? Out yeah, today is as we're recording this is uh, Friday, second round. I know a lot of players didn't get their rounds finished, but I'm going to go hang out with Ralph Bauer today. He coaches uh, Adam Hadwin and Adam Svensson, so uh, it's going to be a really cool day hanging out with uh, Ralph Bauer. So I'm looking forward to it, and I will be resplendent in my Adidas uh, soft goods. Well, listen, my friend, have a great weekend, and. Um... I guess next time we record will be a week from now, and uh, it'll be the weekend of the uh, regular club championship for me, and uh, the next big tournament for me, I guess. So I got a little tournament on Monday, but yeah, maybe we can talk a little bit about well, maybe the physical preparation, but what what you can do, I think, in terms of tempering your expectations, um, yep, absolutely. When it well, comes I'll just to leave you with this Bon Mott. Uh, yes, Bon Mott. Bon Mott. Bon Mott. Bon bon, I like Bon Mott. Bon Mott. Bon bon. Is uh, the, the person with no expectations is never disappointed. There you go. All right. Got to fly. Okay, man. You you fly away, little, little man. I mean, big man, little bird. <laughs> little bird man. <laughs> Whatever. Right. Uh, we'll see you next time, golf nerds. Shiver in the dark, it's raining in the park But meantime Sound of the river, you're stopping your hold Everything